Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Turn in your Bibles. If you have Bibles, turn to Philippians 2, 5 through 11. We're looking at one of my favorite passages in the entire New Testament. And you, I know you, you say that all the time, John, it's your favorite scripture. But this really is one of my favorite passages in the New Testament. It's, it's actually, a, a, was many scholars believe it was used as a song in the New Testament church. It was actually a, 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 a spiritual song that they sang about the greatness of what Jesus did in coming here to earth and being made in the likeness of man, taking the very nature of a servant, becoming humble to the point of death, even death on the cross. So as we're going through this scripture, think about the New Testament Christians actually singing the scripture. And they did. It was actually, a, many people think, a hymn or a spiritual song. Now, what it's going to talk about in Philippians 2, 5 through 11 is the kenosis. Kenosis is the Greek word that's used, the emptying of Jesus Christ. The word kenosis there, when it says that Jesus emptied himself, literally means he gave up some of his divine privileges when he came here to earth. Now, careful with this. Careful with this. There's a whole movement out there that's diminishing the deity of Christ because of scripture like this and saying that Jesus was only fully man and just had the power that man has and we have the same power as Jesus Christ. Hey, last time I checked, I couldn't say to Lake Murray, hush, be still, and it went dead. Last time I checked, I wasn't able, I'm not able to say, Lazarus, come forth, and dead people come out of a grave. Last time I checked, I, I'm not able to walk on water, although I could barefoot water ski, but I can't walk on water. All right, so... so this thing of Jesus having just the same level when he came to earth because he emptied himself, just the same. No, no. Jesus still was omnipotent, he was omnipresent, and he was omniscient. Amen? Amen. And when Jesus came and take, took on human likeness, he still had his divine attributes. He didn't give up his deity. He said to Nathaniel, I saw you under the tree, and he wasn't there because he's omnipresent and omniscient even in his human state. So what do I mean that this emptying that we're going to talk about this morning? Well, Jesus let go of his position in heaven. We're going to see that. We're going to see his position in heaven was an incredible position. We'll see three things about that that he let go of. And I, I'm learning about letting go, by the way. I got four grown-up kids, and they all left home. We're officially empty nesters. Although our grandbaby, Adele, is coming this next week, and we get to babysit her for the whole week next week. Oh, we're going to spoil her like crazy. But this letting go thing is not easy, is it, parents that are empty nesters with me? Letting go is tough. But one of the greatest things that God let go of was Jesus. That famous verse, for God so loved the world, that what? He gave. He let go of, and he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but has eternal life. He let go of that. And, and also, Jesus, we're going to see this morning, let go of some things, too. He let go of his... Uh, and I'll, I'll give you the three ahead of time before we actually get into them in the scripture. But he let go of his absolute rulership in his position of heaven. He let go of his absolute security of being in heaven in a place called paradise. He let go of his absolute worship that was surrounded his throne at the right hand of the Father in heaven. He gave that up when he came to this world. He gave those things up. Why did he do that? We're going to see this morning why he did that. But turn in your Bibles if you're not there yet. Two, Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Let's study it this morning. If you're there, say Amen. 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 Okay, here we go. Let's read it all together. If you could just read it to, uh, to yourself. You don't have to do it out loud. But this is our scripture for this morning. It says, verse 5, Have this attitude in yourselves, Christians, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God. Now the word form there is the morphe. It's the nature of God. Again, pointing to his deity. Jesus existed in the nature of God. And although he, was, he existed in the form, the nature of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. The word grasped there, we get translated, clung to. 
but rather he emptied himself. That's our word, kenosis. He emptied himself of his divine privileges of being in heaven, taking the form of what? He went from heaven to being a bondservant, the form, again, the nature of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And I love these, these three verses. For this reason, God also highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. We're just saying about the beautiful name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is what? Lord. Lord. To what? Lord. The glory of God the Father. So, first thing he gave up. Let's go back. Let's go back. First thing he gave up when he, when he, when he stepped down from heaven was his absolute rulership in heaven. And what do I mean by that? In heaven, listen, he was the creator. When it, when it says in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The word God there, Elohim, it's plural. Plural actually means more than two plural. The Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit were all a part of creating everything we see around us. Jesus said, along with the Father, let there be light. And what happened? All the lights turned on, man. Can you imagine that? Darkness, bam, all the lights turned on. And actually, in the Hebrew, it's light be, light was. That's all he said, light be, and everything turned on. That's the power of Jesus Christ. And then he took dust from the earth. And Jesus breathed into the dust. And it says in Genesis also, let us make man in our image. Notice the plurality there again. It wasn't just the Father. It was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus was a part of creating you and me as human beings. He breathed life into humans from the dust of the earth. Amazing. Amazing. Jesus was in a place of absolute rulership. Colossians chapter 1 tells us this, that Jesus, all things were created by him, all things were created by Jesus and for Jesus, and Jesus holds all things together. That's his absolute rulership position in heaven, being creator God. And he went from that to what does our scripture say? Go back. And although he existed in the form of God, did not regard the quality of God, thing to be grasped, clung to, he emptied himself, kenosis, emptied himself, taking the very nature, first of all, of what? A servant. Amazing. Servant. Jesus went from being absolute rulership, creator God in heaven, so on the night he was to be arrested to go to the cross, he got on his knees, took a towel, and washed dirty feet. And he said this, for the Son of Man has not come to be served, but to serve, give his life as a ransom for, for many. You know, Jesus went from this place of creator God to this earth to serve us, to be a servant. That's why he said the greatest among you, church, the greatest among you, Christians, is going to be a servant just like Jesus. You know, parents, you know a little bit of what it's like going, taking, you know, taking away uh, all the stuff, your independence and your freedom and everything else, and all of a sudden, kids come. And what happens? It ain't about you anymore. I read the other day, the average parent in the United States of America changes 10,000 diapers per kid. That's a lot of huggies, isn't it? It's amazing. I also read that the average parents spend $250,000 per kid raising kids from 0 to 18. We had four kids. I spent a million bucks raising kids. I don't know where it came from, but we got through four kids. But you, but you know what? It was a privilege doing that. 
I love raising our kids. I love serving our kids. I still love serving our kids. And my wife loves serving them even more than I do. Why? Because we love them. Why does Jesus take a towel and serve us, ultimately serving us by dying on a cross for our sins? Why does Jesus serve us so well? Because he loves us. He loves us. And he ultimately proved that love by dying on a cross and serving us by dying on a cross for our sins. Amen? So he gave up absolute rulership as creator God to come to take the very nature of his servant. Second thing, it says he gave up absolute, absolute not only rulership in heaven to be a servant, but he also gave up absolute security in heaven to take on the insecurity of being made in the likeness of man. Wow, what does that mean? It's called hypostasis union in the, in the, in the theological terms. It means that divinity took on humanity. Another theological term for it is incarnation, right? He incarnated. He went from heaven in this place of absolute security. Absolute, again, all of heaven worshiping him in a place where there was no, according to Revelations, no pain, no mourning, no death, no sin. And he came to take on human likeness, to take on the twistedness of this world in incarnating himself. Now, he wasn't sinful but he identified us with us in being a human being that was tempted. Did you know Jesus was tempted? The book of Hebrews says he was tempted just as we are, yet without sin. But we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weakness because he's been tempted in everything we've been tempted in. And that's part of the insecurity of what he took on with human, human form, the likeness of man. Amazing. Amazing. I, I, um, I love John 1.14 describing this. It says, And the Word, Jesus, the Word became flesh, and He dwelt among us. The word dwelt there means He pitched His tent when He took on human likeness. He pitched His tent. How many of you are uh, camping pop-up campers? Boy, that's a real few, isn't it? I understand why. We tried to do that with our kids several times, and it was disastrous. I'll never forget pop-up, a pop, or, or just... Uh, pop-up tents and trying to put air mattresses in the middle of the night here, and then rolling around on sticks and rocks for the rest of the night and then waking up and we're all dirty and just uh, like this and, we, and we're waking up and we look like the homeless hoppies it's crazy but then we advanced we went from tents to a pop-up camper and I thought we were going we were like went all the way from Motel 6 to Hilton or something we had this pop-up camper, you know, we, but we had six hoppies, and hoppies aren't little. We're big. We had six hoppies in a pop-up camper. One time we took that thing all the way to Key West and back, and it was, it was interesting. <laughs> very interesting. Very interesting. Why in the world did we do that? Why did we just drive and, you know, pop-up campers with six hoppies and other times with, with pop-up tents? Why did we do that? Because we wanted to spend time with our kids. And we wanted to have family time. And some of those times are really memorable to me. And we wanted to be with our kids. Why did Jesus take on human likeness? Because he wanted to be with us. He wanted to spend time with humanity. He wanted to identify with us. Ultimately, he wanted to understand us better because he took on human likeness. We don't have a high priest, again, who's unable to sympathize with weaknesses, but one who's tempted in all things such as we are, yet without sin. He identifies with us because he became man. I was listening to Joe Foch the other day, one of my favorite Bible teachers, and he was talking about this incarnation of Jesus becoming man. And he, he talked about an ant pile. 
and the ant pile was on this road, and this ant pile is about to get run over by a pickup truck, an F-150. And so Joe said, what would be the best way to communicate to those ants so they don't get run over by that F-150? Would it be to send them an email? Would it be to, to scream at the ant pile, move, you're about to get run over? What would be the best way to, to save those ants and get them out of that road? To become an ant. And if you became an ant, you could probably lead them out of that disaster. What did Jesus do? He became an ant. He became a, a human being just like us, made in the likeness of men. And he descended, become, taking, emptying himself of, of his equality with God in heaven, in that position in heaven, to take on human nature and form. That's amazing. Amazing love. How can it be that you, my king, would die for me and come and identify with me and be my high priest who's identified with our human plight. That's what he did. Last thing. We'll close with this this morning. Those fans are going. I see it. I know it. I need my SeaWorld sprinkler right now. Okay, the last thing he gave up, he gave up absolute rulership to become what? A servant. He gave up he gave absolute security of heaven to become what? Man, in the likeness of man. Last thing, go back to our scripture. Being, verse 8, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on what? Cross. The last thing, we see that he had absolute worship in heaven. We know that from the book of Revelation. To descending from the worship of heaven to the humiliation of the cross. It says when he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross, the word humble there is humiliation. The cross was a humili humiliation. You know, we wear crosses around our neck and we have crosses in our churches. We act like it's no big deal. Hey, it was a torturous, torturous, torturous form of execution. One of the worst executions you'd ever face was the, was the, was the crucifixion. It was horrible, awful, Way worse than getting ejected like they do today or something like that. The, the crucifixion was a form of torture. If you were a Roman citizen in that time, you couldn't be crucified. You, no Roman citizens were allowed to be crucified because it was such a torturous execution. It's torturous. Jesus did that for you. He did it for me. Humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And he gave up the worship of heaven to come, not only be a servant, not only like this man, but to die in that torturous death of the cross. Amazing, again, amazing love. How can it be that you, my king, would die for me? Jesus said, greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life. And notice this, for his friends. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us. And while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. 1 Peter 3, 18 says, the just died for the unjust in order to do what? To bring us to God. And that's what the cross is all about. It's a bridge. It's a bridge to bring us, sinful human beings, to a holy God and bridge us back into relationship with him. And it's an amazing thing. And Jesus knew what he was taking on, too. He had omniscience. He had foreknowledge. He knew what he was facing with the cross. One of my favorite places to go when we're in Israel, we've had, I've, I had three trips to Israel. One of my favorite places to go is the Garden of Gethsemane. Garden of Gethsemane still has the olive trees from 2,000 years ago. There's olive trees in the Garden of Gethsemane that were there when Jesus was praying Father, if it's at all possible, let this cup pass for me. But not my will be done, your will be done. And when Jesus was praying that in his human nature, he didn't want to face the cross. But the Father said, the only way mankind's going to be saved, son, is you to go to the cross and die for them. 
And so he, he, amazing, amazing. He gave up the worship of heaven to face the humiliation of the cross. Why? Why? Because he loves us. He loves you. He loves me. And greater love has no man than this that he died for you and for me. Again, parents, you know what I'm talking about with sacrifice, right? It's not a sacrifice being a parent. But it's worth it, isn't it? Why? Because you love those kids. Jesus sacrificed for us on the cross. Why? Because he loved us. And Hebrews 12, 2 actually says, that For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. The torture was a joy because he knew in dying on that cross, he would pay for our sins and we'd have a way to go to heaven instead of hell for the rest of eternity eternity that's amazing to me so what did jesus give up he gave up absolute rulership to become a servant he gave up absolute security of heaven to become a man take on the plight of man and identify with man and he gave up the absolute worship of heaven to face the humiliation of what the cross now in closing this morning i want to ask you memorial day weekend 2000 was 19 right Boy, I feel like I'm back to the future or something. Things are just flying at worse speed. The older you get, the faster it goes, doesn't it? But let me let me close this morning asking you some questions. What do you need to give up? Jesus gave up those things for you and for me. What do you need to give up? Maybe it's some selfishness. The verses that precede our section Mike taught on last week says this, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Maybe this Moral Day weekend you got to get back to saying, Hey, my life, this, this world does not revolve around me. I want to be Christ-centered and other-centered instead of self-centered. Joy. You know how you have more joy? We talk about joy in this series. I am, the way you get more joy... J-O-Y. Put Jesus first, others second, yourself last. You'll have more joy. Wow. So maybe you need to give, give up some more, some more some of that selfishness where you're just doing everything for yourself. Hey, get the focus off of you and onto Jesus and others and you'll have more joy in your life. Maybe you need to give up uh, some anger. Huh? Oh, Pastor John's stepping on toes again. Some of you are like Hatfields and McCoys and you need to let it die, man. Some of you have some grudges with even family members. Some of you have some bitterness. The Bible says don't let a root of bitterness defile you or defile your relationship with God. You need to, you need to let it go, man. The Bible says be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you. Hey, how dare you not forgive other people when Jesus forgives you of all the sin you've committed? Amen? Amen. Let it go, man. Give it up. Today would be a good day to do that. Hey, last thing. Let go. Let go. Let go. How about your life? Have you let go of your life? Have you let Jesus be your Lord and your King? The Bible says you stand at the door of every person's heart, knocking. It says, if you open the door, I'll come in. And I'll dine with you and you with me, and I'll be your friend, and I'll be your Savior, I'll be your Lord. If you haven't done that, hey, do it today. And you can be baptized right away. Do it today. If you haven't done that, do it today. Bible says, but as many as received him, he gives the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Receive him. That's the step. It's receive and believe. Receive and believe. Receive and believe. If you haven't done that yet, do it today. I'll lead you in a prayer where you could do that. And then we're going to do baptism right after that. And so you could be baptized if you want to, just on the spot, if you've received Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. 
Father, we just thank you so much for um, the way that you've let go of your son Jesus for us. You so loved us that you gave your best, your one and only, that whoever believes in us should not perish, but we have eternal life. Father, thank you so much for the example of Jesus who emptied himself, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in the likeness of man, and he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. Lord, help us to let go of some things this Memorial Day weekend. Lord, help us to let go of our selfishness. Forgive us, Father, for making the whole thing revolve around us. Help us to let go of that. And Father, I pray too that you'd help us to let go of any anger or grudges we might have towards people that have hurt us. How could we not forgive others when you've forgiven us through Christ in such a rich and wonderful way? And I pray for anybody here this morning that needs to let go of some anger. May you do that in your soul and your spirit right now. Right now. And Father, I pray too for anybody that might be here today that you're knocking on the door of their heart and you're saying, let go. Let go of your life. And you say in your word, Lord, all we have to do is confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead and we shall be saved. And so I pray that there be many here today that would confess you as Lord. I pray that uh, that would happen through baptism, all the people being baptized. This would be their time of public confession of, of you as Lord. I pray for maybe some people that have never done that, period, in their heart. pray that today might be their day where they confess you as Lord for the first time, maybe. Work in this way, Father. In Jesus' name we pray.